position when you come to the reading of Acts chapter 4. And of course, the armies are fed to be, to be ready, that, that it will take off the trappings of the flesh and set fire after the glory of God. There's a sense of urgency that Peter has as he uh, brings this to the, the church and he brings it to the people of God. We get to verse 7, that urgency grows as he says, the end of all things is at hand. The day of the Lord is near. The day of vindication, the day of judgment is upon us. And whether that is the return of the Lord, and, and we think of that as the return of the Lord in that day of judgment and vindication, or even in our own short lives here compared to truly an eternity, that the end is upon us. So because of that, there again is this call to purposefulness, to sobriety, to seriousness. So he says, be self-controlled, be, be sober-minded, be purposeful in what you have going here. In order that your prayers might not be hindered. So he immediately calls us then in this urgency to pray. Not that we kind of pray till the end, but we, Peter says this right up here up front. He calls us to prayer. And then he says, and, and, and here is really the end of it all. We need to earnestly love one another. That's why we talked in the series of earnestly loving one another. So he said, it is going to take effort. It is going to take intentional planning and, and action. Because it's not always easy. So we must pursue it earnestly that we would go after one another in love. And it'll look a couple ways. It'll look one is covering a multitude of sins. This isn't, you know, the good old boys club that is just hiding sins and some of us will get in trouble. Covering a multitude of sins means that, that we walk in with that idea of love of assuming the best of one another instead of looking for a reason to be offended. Looking for a reason to find fault. Looking for a reason to blow up a friendship. We're assuming the best of someone. So when they come in and they're less friendly than they should be, less polite than they probably should be, we can assume they had a bad day. How can I minister to them instead of how can I speak for them, which is really the argument here. And so we live a life together, eagerly pursuing love, one of forbearance, that is quick to overlook a, an offense, slow to be offended. And then he moves on, as, as his last week kind of says, show hospitality then. Again, what we're talking here to this group of believers, this you and me, the fellowship of believers, community of faith. So we show hospitality to one another, says Proverbs, without grumbling. That you would open your life, open your time, open your homes to one another to be hospitable to one another. This is how that love is going to be grown and nurtured. And so he's called us to this way of pursuing one another in this context of urgency of the last days. It's interesting that with the urgency of the last days, the intention is to love one another. So we get to this last little text that we looked at two verses this morning, verses 10 and 11. They're very simple, and yet they're often overlooked questions or overcomplicated here. I think what we do here is we see that 
faith is not just now a checklist of things that you can do to kind of go, oh, I've got that one. We got this one. It's not just a checklist of things to do. It's this is the way we are to function. So we step back a little bit because this is how it works out in God's economy. This is how life is to happen in the church for His glory, for your purposes. This is what it looks like. So we're just going to take the pieces of verse 10, look at those individually, see how they fit together, and close with verse 11. So we move to the table. Verse 10, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. And it starts that last phrase, we are stewards of God's grace. Stewards of God's varied grace. Often when we think of stewardship, we, we probably bring it up in the context of giving more money to others. So being a steward isn't a word we necessarily use a lot. But I think you would have an idea of what it means. In context, uh, I think the illustration that, that Peter probably would have been pointing to that helps us is to think of steward as you, you have this sort of land owner, someone of means who, who owns home, oversees this household. In that context, it would have been more than just his children. It would have been his servants, maybe those who have employed a family that was spread uh, out. And they would come and on his land, and he would, he would have a responsibility to them, to care for them, to see their needs met, that he would use his resources in that way. And so he would appoint a steward or a youth steward who then would take his resources and make sure that the needs of all in his employ, all of his servants, that, that everything is being used wisely. He's maintaining his land, maintaining his resources, the needs of everyone are being met. And so a steward is that one, it's the resources are not their own, they belong to the owner. But the steward comes in and receives those resources in order to care for the, the other, in order to distribute them well. Now, any analogy is eventually going to break down, so I'm not pushing it too far, except here God is obviously the owner. It is His grace, and He is pouring that grace out into your life in abundance in all kinds of various ways to meet your various needs. Or it could be wonderful, your various desires. And so he is pouring that out. And so we see right off the bat, something that has to be nailed down is that God owns us. That God owns us. Our lives belong to him. As our creator and as our redeemer, we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. This is why the psalmist, when you read through the psalms, you'll see that in the morning when they rise, they call their hearts to worship. They call their souls to magnify the Lord. And it sounds a lot like this. The tree on a bed, seed hit the ground, and they call their hearts and remind themselves, I am not the Lord. God is. I am not the Lord of my life today. God owns me. My life is, is, is given to Him. It should be lived for him. We, we can look out and we can see the, the godless, those who just reject God. They would have a kiosk that says, 
grace, the very grace and the gift are not the same thing as gratitude. The gift that we possess, the gift that we possess that you were graced from us, but they're not the same thing. So it works this way. It's that God is pouring out abundant grace in your life from all kinds of various means that you have. He is pouring that out into your life, and you are a steward of that grace. Your giftedness, then, this, this unique capacity that you have to steward that grace well by serving and ministering to others, becoming a conduit of God's grace into the lives of others. And so this abundant grace He is giving you, you are becoming a servant of others to minister that grace into their lives. Calvin puts this in this way. He says it right now. He says, If then we excel others in any gift, let us remember that we are as He built the stewards of God in order that we may kindly impart God's grace to our neighbors as bearing testimony to the wonderful grace of God. And so God has lavished His grace upon us. We are stewards of that. And then He has gifted us that with that grace, we may have a unique capacity to minister grace into the lives of others. Just a few observations of what that means for us here in the United States. a gift. It means that we have specific gifts, and it also means that we lack a lot of gifts. And we need others who have those gifts to minister God's grace into our lives. We need one another in that way. Listen again, one more quote from Calvin. It says, The Lord has so divided His manifold graces that no one is to be content with one thing and with his own gift. But everyone has need of the help and aid of his brother. This is a bond which God has appointed to restore friendship among men, for they cannot live without mutual assistance. You don't have the hope to just decide, I don't need, I don't need other people, I can just do it on my own. For one, you're robbing other people of your gift. When you look around in this church body, you have a unique capacity and a unique personality and abilities and opportunities and relationships to steward the grace that God has put into your life by serving others and ministering grace to them. They need you. And guess what? No matter how much you think you have it all together, you need everyone else around you to do the same thing into your life. We have such a sort of an autonomous, independent understanding sometimes about salvation and how the way God works is that we think God is only going to sort of just rescue you with be gracious to you. As if He's just skip all means and just sort of directly impugn His grace in your life. God works that way. We have an individual relationship with God. God does work that relationship that way. I'm not undermining that aspect of it. But God has chosen and seen fit that it is wisely for us to use the means of grace to minister into our lives. And we talked about that. Words and preaching and, and the table where 
enjoy here and just see in the moment. But it is also one another. That he doesn't always expect me to pour that grace into your life, but he'll pour into your life someone else who has a specific way or a specific gift in order to minister that grace to you. But this would have been revolutionary during the Reformation because it's not this picture of like a priest and how God gives me a gift and then I can just automatically become sensitive and start to embrace it. That's not what we're talking about here. It is being a steward
stage here is a minor stage. We are not owned by this stage. So if we speak, we speak as the oracles of God. That is, it's not the speaker's words, his own wisdom, his own eloquence that will serve you in ministry. It is as he represents God's word to you, as he takes the wisdom from Scripture and imparts that to you in a way that he
from the glory that he was handed to you. I come to you tonight as Paul. I come to you as Timothy. I come to you as Jason. I come to you as Brad. And then he reminds us that we're still his Just the end of this is, is that there is an urgency now in the way we live our lives. Here's how we live. Start loving one another. Start caring for one another. And the keys, the grace that God has given you, those temptations and weak passages that God has given you, a gift that is, do it as well. 